0: Hi, this is Rebecca Perry and you're listening to Walk Left, the podcast.
1: And I'm Marty Chador. Thanks for joining us. Rebecca, thank Mm -hmm. you for, uh, thank you for coming by to have a little bit of a chat about uh, Confessions of a Redheaded Coffee Shop Girl. You are having a couple of performances of this, the Toronto premiere. Uh, this upcoming June 13th to 16th, and then you're taking it on the road. You're taking it to the Winnipeg Fringe and the Edmonton Fringe. Tell me a little bit of how the, the production of that sort of breaks down.
0: Well, essentially, uh, it has become a co-production for the Toronto leg, leg of the show, sure. I suppose. It is being produced by Saren Lannon along with Theatre After Secrets. And uh, Theatre After Secrets is the company that my dramaturg, Susanna Derowitz, owns. And she is pretty much responsible for this show getting off the ground, in the sense that it started as just a bunch of scenes, and now it's a show. So this is sort of her baby for Toronto, but a while ago, I sort of did a little workshop of it in Ottawa, and a producer there named Dave Dawson, who owns Black Sheep Theatre, was kind of curious about it and where it was going, and so luckily, in the nick of time, he was just like, well, after Toronto, let's have Black Sheep Theatre take it to Winnipeg and Edmonton, so... That's sort of how that worked out. It's, it's kind of convoluted, but at the same time, it's also just a whole bunch of good news at once. For sure. <laughs> okay,
1: so let's, t- let's talk a bit about the show specifically then. Yeah. I'm always really curious about things like uh, process involved. Yes. And so you are the titular character.
0: Yes, I am. You
1: are playing the titular character and rather than... The
0: redheaded coffee shop girl, also known as Joni Little.
1: <laughs> Tell me a bit about the, the process of, of writing the play.
0: Okay, so as some people have heard from me say before, this show is about my experiences working in a coffee shop for eight months. It is a very specific coffee shop in the Annex, and working in the Annex, there are a bevy of interesting characters that you cross every day, along with uh, some very interesting co-workers. And so I was working there just after theater school, and I just thought, this can't just be a Joe job that I write off and, like, don't ever talk about again, because, like, Too much good stuff is happening here. (laughs) Like, I can't not, like, mind this for the gold that I know I will find. So uh, I just sort of started writing things every day while I was at the coffee shop. Like, literally in between customers. I'd be like, hold on. And I'd, like, grab, like, a scrap piece of paper and be like, okay, this guy was talking about this. That's insane. (laughs) Um, And eventually I wound up, because I'm not a playwright, I'm an actor, I'm a singer, I'm a musician, but I cannot rightfully so say I'm a playwright, so I wound up with a whole bunch of vignettes, either about my interaction with customers, what it's like to work in a coffee shop, or what it's like to be a young person working a job that isn't necessarily in your field, and so Susanna Darowitz and I were just having coffee on a couch one day, slowly becoming friends, because we'd been introduced by Wesley Colford, who is a playwright, and so we were just talking about that, because I was starting to try and make my show into a show. And she was like, I think we should workshop it. Why don't I be your dramaturge? And I was like, okay, let's do this. And through a series of wonderful exercises and just looking at it from all angles, we were able sort of to take a bunch of scenes that all happen in the same coffee shop, but make it into a story that has a little bit more of me in it because I sort of strayed away from that at first. I really wanted it to more just be about all these quirky customers, but but, like, I counted as one of the quirky people in the shop, and I don't think I realized that until Susanna was like, not everyone has to deal with this stuff at Joe Jobs. You should write about that. I want to know more about this character. And so, it was... yeah. And then it became a show.
1: And there's a lot of mention in your promotional materials mm-hmm. about Jane Goodall. Oh,
0: that a- is a- about right?
1: Dame Jane herself. Good old Dame uh, Jane. Uh, uh, <laughs> She's my fave. <laughs> I'm sort of curious how you drew that analogy.
0: So... Uh, that actually is one of the things that sort of became an aha moment that i had only just mentioned like in one sentence in let's say like version two of my script, we've gotten to like version 97. And, and that was that every day I would go through the same routine and yet make observations about people sort of the way somebody in the jungle would make observations about the animals around them. And so at one point I referred to myself as Jane Goodall just as like a joke and Susanna was like, no, you're working in an urban jungle. It's called the coffee shop. And it sort of was this joke that we were just toying with, but it actually worked out quite well because now throughout the show, when I do make observations, like I write them in my Jane Goodall notebook. And at the end of the show, I have like a report to give people. And there are cute things like she meets someone who might be her partner in crime for reporting in the Jane Goodall notebook. His name is Marco. I'm not going to say too much about him no, because please. Marco also... Becomes a through line as to Joni building up her confidence and realizing that like, yes, she's got just graduated, but she does have something to offer to the world. As well as he sort of helps her realize when it might be time to leave the shop and what, what else there is out there for her. And so the coffee shop in general is treated like an urban jungle. You will hear references to like customers being like monkey number one or like, yeah, it's quite, uh, we've, we've made it very whimsical. I was a little bit nervous to make it introspective just because I've seen so many shows that are so introspective to the point that, like, I want to just, like, fall asleep. So... (laughs) (laughs) But then on that note, I've also seen brilliant introspective shows. So I'm not knocking anybody in Canadian theatre. I'm just saying I've observed as I do in this show. On that note, though, I do speak a little bit about myself and, like, what it is like to work in this coffee shop and be treated as sort of like five-minute coffee counter therapy and that it's my job to listen to you absorb all of your problems give you coffee with pretty latte art on it but you don't want to know the first thing about me and that's an interesting relationship and it's not just at coffee shops bartenders get the same thing servers anybody who sort of works in like the food industry I'm sure can relate to that that something is expected of you at your job even though it pays minimum wage and that is that you are you are supposed to be comforting to somebody because you're part of their daily routine.
1: Then I'm curious, is there... Do you think that that sort of work Mm -hmm. leads you to being more attached to the observations and sort of seeing yourself and and becoming introspective as a result? Or is it more... Do you find that it it would lead to more of a... um, separation from the other because it's... I, I I don't even know if I'll leave this in, but I'm just curious, you know, because there's that kind of for instance, hmm. the one of the big criticisms against Jane Goodall was like naming and connecting to the animals she was observing.
0: Yes, <laughs> which which
1: doesn't give you that objective kind of I'm not studying animal behavior anymore. I'm now building a relationship with them,
0: which we have chosen to examine through a very specific. I'm so glad you asked that question, Marty. I do. Oh, I do I you're can. a delight. <laughs> um, so, Joni knows her Jane, and so uh, one of the big things was was that she was naming them and developing such a connection. And so for Joni, that's Marco. But then also there are certain customers, even though she does not necessarily agree with the way they live their life, she started naming them as well. For example, there are these two people that she calls Statler and Waldorf, like from the Muppets, right. because they're the two sort of coffee shop anthropologists who are in their late 40s who have quite a lot to say about the world, but, but don't ever expect the world to talk back. And so uh, there is a scene where I sort of play Joni Jane Goodall because I'm observing their conversation and listening to it, but I'm also giving my commentary in between. And so I've tried to sort of have that Jane aspect, but also I've tried to sort of observe them from afar, but I also have gotten close to some customers. And so variety is the spice of life. So I've tried to have a little bit of everything. Because this is a show about observing people in a coffee shop, it does ultimately become introspective because if you're questioning things about other people, well, then you also ask the same of yourself. And so that sort of is a good path towards self-discovery. And I find that in a lot of one-woman shows, self-discovery happens after a whole bunch of crap has gone down. All the one-woman shows I've seen recently are about people that are in their 40s or 50s, celebrities who are sort of looking back on their life. And so I just, the reason I made this show about someone who is like, 21 going on 22 uh, is because a lot of people don't want to examine that part of their life because it's usually the most awkward. (laughs) Like, what were you doing when you're 21? I'm sure you will only want to tell me a few things, not everything, right? And so look at you smiling. So so there we go. That's That's sort of why I chose to do this because it's that awkward phase that everyone has to go through. And people talk about it in the past, but like while it's happening... Like, you don't know what to do. So it is sort of someone trying to, like, find her way through the urban jungle.
1: In approaching the the character of Joni, how how fair would you say... Uh, her, she... her
0: analysis is of people?
1: Well, how fair is, is she in including slash excluding herself?
0: I think she includes herself a lot just simply because she is not one of those people who wants to be like, no, 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 I'm nagging you, but I can't. You know, like, I can dish it, but I can't take it. That's definitely not her. She even makes, like, remarks at one point, like, wow, I just said that about myself. Darwin would find that curious. So would all my friends who want to know why I stayed with that emotionally unavailable zombie for so long. Or, like, she, I think she can make light of the fact that she dishes it out, but she is sometimes guilty of the same crimes and therefore realizes it by seeing it in front of her.
1: There is mention in your promotional materials as well of... A sock puppet.
0: There is. Tell me more. <laughs> so uh, originally when I started writing this one woman show, I was like, oh, I I can't do the whole like crazy like I, Claudia thing with like masks and have like a bunch of different characters because I want that sort of like hustle and bustle of a coffee shop, that like espresso jitter. And so I ultimately decided that I just wanted to give my impression of coworkers and, and speak about my observations and sometimes like be these people but be like my impression of them instead of actually just like switching characters. So that's where the idea of playing with puppets came into play. (laughs) And um, originally we started playing with a sock puppet as my boss, Gabe. That's switched around a little bit now, but there still are sock puppets. In fact, there are more sock puppets. Um, And that's because sometimes when you're trying to imitate someone who's so ridiculous, you don't do them justice because you just come off as like schmackty. And so... If you're already in a coffee shop and you're trying to describe someone who isn't there, why not go into the lost and found box and grab a sock, grab a few things, and now you have your boss to show the world? So I, I, uh, I must admit, Statler and Waldorf get put under the gun, sock puppet style. Who, um,
1: who would grab a sock out of the lost and found? <laughs> I don't want to know where the coffee shop I... <laughs> sock has been.
0: I <laughs> I've actually, I sort of talk about that as well. I'm like, what child played soccer in this? I'm like. but uh it's like six thirty in the morning and like you were hung over the day before or you got hung over and then you're at the shop and there are no customers because it's like yom kippur what else are you gonna do other than entertain yourself Is the question i ask everybody (laughs) and it's funny when people walk in on that like i've walked in on people in coffee shops where you can tell they haven't been customers for a while because they're like reading a book and they're like sitting cross-legged and they're like doing a yoga pose and you're just like one cappuccino, please.
1: <laughs> this uh, this play obviously is built on all of your own observations. Oh,
0: on that note, I actually did interview quite a lot of friends and just uh, people I knew who did also work in coffee shops. So there are a few stories in there that are not mine, but that happened to friends of mine. Uh, for example, there's a run-in with a politician that happened to a friend of mine in the coffee, indie coffee shop she worked in. And luckily she gave me permission to use the story. So... It. it, I've tried to make it as whole as far as, like, a view of Toronto indie coffee shop culture because, like, I did only work in one coffee shop in the annex. There are a million that are well-respected for not only having good coffee but having, like, a great atmosphere. And so I tried to cover as much ground as I could from, like, Danforth all the way to High Park all the way down to Union Station. I think I got interviews from almost 30 people. So, did I use all their stories? No, but did it give me a much more whole look at Toronto, Toronto coffee culture, and just like that whole scene in general? Yes.
1: I was gonna say because like eight months. I mean, that's a that is a good chunk of time.
0: But it's not enough.
1: But yeah, it's. I wasn't gonna say it's not enough, but it's yeah, it's <laughs> it, a it's a limited sort it is of a limited subset scope. It's it <laughs> oh, it, I agree. test group. No, no, no. I'm not being critical. I'm just kind of like, oh, it's the scientific, the Jane Goodall thing. She only it's like one chimp, and it's you know, you don't have enough. uh
0: Exactly. And, and honestly, uh, that was because Joni Little, aka myself, decided it was time to leave before she went full-fledged crazy. Um, because when you work somewhere every day, I worked full-time for eight months. So when you work somewhere for, uh, about 11 hours a day, six days a week, because people always call in sick and you're not that mean person who does that. Yeah, it becomes your life. It consumes
1: you. I'm not invalidating the eight months. And (laughs) I wasn't
0: inferring that you were. I'm just saying because I was like, well, what would Jane do? Obviously, she would get more sources as well.
1: So, at what point did because you were talking about it with the individual who became your dramaturge?
0: Oh, Susanna, yes.
1: When did it? When did it transfer over from these things? Did you always kind of want it to turn into a show?
0: I I did. Um. But the way I write is almost uh, in the style of like a novel. It is. It's, I write episodically. So, yeah, she sort of helped me transfer it from being in like a the form of a novel to being active. Because that's the thing. When people write observations, they write in the past tense. Because it's something that they've just seen. And so they talk about what just happened. Um, and so we've made a lot of the scenes that obviously have not happened to me for like two years. We've made them active and in the present. And because she's like right in the middle of them, it's much more interesting to watch instead of being like, well, this happened yesterday. Right. Nobody wants that. I yeah. mean, if they do, that's great.
1: It works for stand up, but it yes, doesn't really work. But it for... doesn't
0: work for a one woman show because it's only me out there entertaining them. So, uh, I'm going to do my, my best to be entertaining.
1: Are there, are there vignettes when you revisit them and telling them? Do you, do you relive those moments or? Oh,
0: God, yeah. <laughs> there are some where I had like, okay, when I worked in this coffee shop, um We had a lot of customers come in from Israel. Uh, and so I had a woman come in and there was a bit of a a lost in translation thing that happened to us because she did not speak English at all. Um, and I had this woman uh spit in my face because I served her a soy lilac latte, not a lactose-free lilac latte. For the record, they both don't have lactose in them. Needless to say, she was upset and like did like a... <laughs> and I was like, like in shock. So... There you go. That's, yeah. Wow. There are some shocking things that, yeah. So, yeah, I I, I actually talk at one point about how I feel like I've lived five lives since high school because you just experience the weirdest things when you're behind a counter. And that's not, that does not go for just coffee shops, obviously. And so every time that moment happens in the play, I must admit, I can picture exactly what she looks like and like the shape her mouth made as she was like, (laughs) as I didn't know what she was going to do, but like she was doing something and it was her going to like spit on me because i'm just so awful for mixing that up (laughs) some
1: people are lactose intolerant and some people are just intolerant yes or intolerable
0: intolerable i think would be that's a great joke why didn't i use that well you know there's still time (laughs) (laughs) Uh, and
1: editing (laughs) gosh that's it's insane right that's the worst of like you see the you see the best and the worst well i don't know if you see the best but you often see the worst of humanity, working retail, you, you in the do. service. In
0: the service industry. industry. You you can see the best if they like cherish it as like a part of their daily routine, which some people do, and I do speak about that. But th- there are a lot of people where uh, it's like the minute they walk in the shop, they've been given the right to tell you to do your job as quickly as possible. But if you mess it up, you're off. <laughs> it's like uh... yet you only get paid minimum wage. <laughs> of course, uh,
1: yeah, because I mean that's that's true. You're talking about like uh, so many people have almost a, a ritual with their coffee.
0: Oh, they do. Coffee is a very, I think, a sacred thing to some people. I know that when you use sacred, you use it with like amazing like artifacts from China at the ROM. But apparently, to a lot of people in Toronto, if you have your coffee made right in the morning, it does dictate how your day goes which I have noticed and observed, and sometimes I'm even guilty of. Like, if I get a good cup of coffee, holy heck, I'm in a great mood. And I find that interesting because a little while ago, that wasn't the case. Like, sort of pre-Starbucks taking over the world, it was more fashionable to make your coffee at home. And so I also talk about, like, uh, the fact that, like, coffee and, like, its adventures have gone much more, like, coffee's in your face now, you know? (laughs) It's a little more uh it's, it's there it's present it's it's part of being trendy in Toronto.
1: Confessions of a Reddit coffee shop. Confessions, yes. is being presented at the Storefront Theater.
0: The Storefront Theater 955 Bloor Street West. While
1: you're in Toronto, tell me about uh, the space.
0: The Storefront Theater is oh, it's an awesome space. I I chose it for uh, for good reason. So Benjamin Blay of Red One Theatre Collective, they have taken this space and revamped it. It used to just be a pharmacy, a Rexall pharmacy, I believe. And they've made it into a theatre space with like lights, seats. But what is the coolest about this space is you can rejig it in any way you want. So people have played on all four walls of this space. They've even used the front because the front sort of looks like a shop as a theater space so what's nice is it's constantly being reinvented and I think that's what's making it sort of a hot new space in Toronto to see theater at because you never know what you're going to step into and for me that's exciting Uh, for example like I'm not doing it traditionally at the back like some shows have we're kind of trying to turn it into a coffee shop so uh, hopefully you guys like what you see (laughs) because we've gotten creative that's for sure
1: (laughs) how did the Indiegogo campaign go?
0: It went very, very well. Thank you for asking. Um, uh, we, ra- we almost got to our goal. We got to 1170. Um, so yeah, we were like four sixths there. And what that means for us, which is amazing, is that Saskatoon might be a reality. Uh, we were going to initially do like a BYOV at Saskatoon, but it was it was an issue of like funds and stuff like that, because since our Toronto production hasn't already happened, we couldn't really project how well the ticket sales would go. Um, hopefully all you awesome people come, but, uh, this means that we might be able to do Saskatoon anyways. And we also did a fundraiser a while ago, which raised a little bit more money. So right now, I think it's like we can like see the finish line. I think we just, we really need to concentrate on boosting our ticket sales for the Toronto show and Saskatoon can become a reality. And if we're lucky, Victoria as well. So, uh, fingers, crossed. fingers crossed, right? Yeah, yes. it'll be a fun summer for Redheaded Coffee Shop Girl.
1: So, all the details are available at redheadedcsg.com. Yes. Uh, as and- well
0: as the Facebook page, Confessions of a Redheaded Coffee Shop Girl. Brilliant. Mm-hmm.
1: So, June 13th to 16th at yeah. the Storefront Theater.
0: At the Storefront Theater. And if you want to follow Joni on Twitter, it's at redheadedcsg.
1: Thank you so much for joining me.
0: Thank you so much, Marty.
1: Thanks for listening to the podcast. If you have an upcoming Toronto-based performing arts project or production, I want to talk to you about it. Visit walkleft.ca.